So, mm, all right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. The first time I truly sat with this song, by the way, I was recommended this song from a friend, Abraham. Shout out to Abraham. He's my first best friend ever, ever. Um, Love him down. The first time I really, really, really sat with this song, I didn't put it down for weeks. <laughs> this song is etched in my soul for the rest of my life. I love Pink and White by Frank Ocean. And um, fun fact, I did not know that Beyonce was in the back. I didn't know that was her. <laughs> and I thought it was, when I was told it was her, I was also told it was Sid too, who, big fan of both. I didn't know it was them in the back. I didn't know. <laughs> I like the songs, I like the song. A lot of you girls can't relate. Hmm. <laughs> And a lot of y'all can. I don't think many of us knew it was Beyonce or Sid in the backgrounds. But anyway, I truly sat with this song. And there's one day, this is the only song. Okay, fun fact number two. I am an Aquarius. For the good and the bad, okay, through and through, I am an Aquarius. I'm an evolved Aquarius, I will say, but I'm an Aquarius nonetheless. And it takes a lot to make me cry. When I played sports, like going out there and giving your hard work, and then losing a game, that's made me cry. Um, when I had to leave my high school and obviously transition into college, that made me cry because I had played with those teammates for all my life. You know, that's all I knew was my teammates. I knew them very well. We knew each other, we knew our bodies, right? And so that's hard to like cultivate that level of chemistry again. And I knew I would never get it again. And I didn't get it again. And I remember like my final game ever, we were in the playoffs and we lost. And I remember, like, I was done. I was boo-hooing. And my mom was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm never going to play with them again, ever. And I didn't play with them again. And so all in all, I'm trying to say it takes, it takes a lot to make me cry, a lot. This song, I was washing dishes one day, and this is one of the only songs that's ever made me cry. This and Lately by Stevie Wonder. Freaky enough. I know that's a weird one to throw on top of this, but... And I was washing dishes with both. Maybe you need to stop washing dishes. <laughs> Maybe it's not the music. Maybe it's the dishes. <laughs> no, it's definitely the music. And it's the fact that, like, dishes kind of, like, they give you this space to kind of just zone in on something, like, hyper-focused. Like, I'm a grown, grown woman. So I've been washing dishes a very long time. So it's not something I have to, like, really focus a lot of energy on. It's kind of something I can do passively. Um and so when I listen to stuff or I'm watching stuff, I'm really kind of just watching that more than I am washing the dishes, if if that makes sense. And so when I'm getting like to hyper-focus on these things, it just takes my mind to another level. And, yeah, I washed dishes with this song, and I cried. I cried and I cried and I cried. I wound up cleaning the whole, like, house, and I just kept crying with this song repeating in the background. Did I stop this song from playing in the background? Absolutely not. I'm having a moment. But I will say I didn't cry, like, tears of pain. I cried tears of joy because I was just, like, overwhelmed with the beautiful experience of this song. And I know this sounds batshit crazy. And I agree with you. I wholeheartedly, I, I agree. I am here sitting with the mess with you. That doesn't change the fact that it's a beautiful song. <laughs> so uh, I want to encourage you guys to go and purchase this week a car wash. I know that's random, but go wash your car and pay somebody to, to wash it good. Okay, get them crevices. Them fry crumbs been in the corner of your seats for a long time. Okay, them, the under your seats ain't been seen by the daylight in a long time. In between them tires, that little inner, the rim part, get that washed. Get them to scrub. Get them to get deep in it. Pay them good and tip them well. 
tip them well, okay? It's about to start getting cold outside. You don't want to be in a cold and a crusty car. Remember when you didn't have a car? Now you have a car that you probably really like for whatever your reasons are. Treat the car nice. Thank you. All right. Of next is the lyrical analysis. <sighs> That's how this song makes me feel. It just feels like a really nice deep breath or a really nice like sigh of relief. I had no idea that this song was about death. None at all. I just thought this was a really beautiful, ironically heavenly song. So the song starts off with him saying like, yeah, like he does this big old woo. And you can see like he's, or you can assume he's kind of like, you know, he's vibing. He's catching his groove. Like he's catching his, his speed or whatever have you. And so then the first verse starts off with, that's the way every day goes. Every time we've no control. If the sky is pink and white, if the ground is black and yellow. Now, this song comes from Frank Ocean's third album. I think he had Future, Nostalgia, Chanel Orange, and then Blonde. Blonde came, it took a while for Blonde to come out because Orangey Poo was such a massive, I mean, it was a well-received album that I think Frank kind of wanted to like breathe on this next album, and he did. Um. And so this album, Blonde, came with, I remember it was this real cryptic YouTube video of him, like, building a ladder or something strange. And also, it came with this screenplay of Boys Don't Cry. I, no, the screenplay was called, wait, what's Boys Don't Cry? I think that's a label, his record label. What else is Boys Don't Cry? Maybe that's his magazine, his magazine, that's his magazine. The screenplay was called Godspeed. Okay. Um, I've only seen uh, an album and a screenplay, specifically a screenplay, accompany, accompanied each other. I did not need to put an ED on it. Accompany each other was with Childish Gambino's Is It Because of the Internet? It's not Kawhi. It's because, I think it's because of the internet. And he did a screenplay that was to be, that was to be read, like intertwined with the album. Like, you're supposed to read the screenplay and then play certain songs from the album here. And they, they're in order, obviously. But if you listen to the album outside of the screenplay, great body of work. I love All She Needed Was Some. All She Needed Was Some. And so to hear that and to see it, like, all be woven together really well, shout out to the Dissect Podcast. They did a really good job explaining how that worked. He read a big part of the screenplay, and he also spoke about the music and how the music was integrated into it and the symbolism. He's dissect is a whole nother other a whole it's a whole nother other over there we're not there yet okay we got the budget <laughs> y'all got me a computer and a phone <laughs> that's it <laughs> that's it mm, and my opinions that's one th that's one thing we have the dissect don't have we have dominique's opinions <laughs> anyway so this is to be this is to accompany the screenplay and a part of the screenplay, there is a girl in the car, and she's listening to this, bobbing her head, and you can hear her um, singing this song within the screenplay. I know that sounds cryptic, and I know that sounds like layered, but I mean it in the plainest way. The first verse goes, that's the way every day goes, every time we've no control, if the sky is pink and white, if the ground is black and yellow. 
So the first two lines, that's the way everything every day goes, every time we have no control. So life is going to life, right? That's just the way things go. That's the way that they're going to happen. And you don't have a lot of control over external things in your life, which is a lot. Um, and then it goes, if the sky is pink and white, which is referring to like a sunset, especially here in Texas, we have some really beautiful sunsets here in Texas. So I can definitely see why he would get that. Um, side note, one of my other favorite songs is Pur- Pineapple Purple Skies by Miguel. Speaks to the same thing, but in the very opposite side of the spectrum. Um, Pineapple Purple Skies is about like everything's going to be all right. You know, as long as you can look out and see a good sunset, everything will fall into place as it should. Maybe that's not the opposite side of the spectrum. Huh. Well, I'll pull it back again. Anyway, then he goes, if the ground is black and yellow. So black and yellow refers to pavement, like the driving pavement and the yellow lines on the pavement. So if the constants are constant, then there is this constant theme of us not having as much control as we like to believe that we do. This also reminds me of as one of my favorite songs by Stevie Wonder, where he... um refers to a lot of different things within our life that are just going to forever be a certain way, right? Like, I don't want to dig into it because I could talk about that song all day. And I think we have an episode over that song already. Um, But as long as these things are these things, they're going to forever be these things. And I know that sounds repetitive, but it's the truth. And if they're going to forever be those things, then we need to understand that we don't have nearly as much control over anything in our life. You have control over you, your decisions, how you choose to act, how you choose to navigate life, but you don't have control over anything past that. And to believe that you have control over anything past that is foolish. But once you accept that, it'll help you navigate life in a very different way. So we then go into the next lines, which are, it's the same way you showed me, nod my head, don't close my eyes, halfway on a slow move it's the same way you showed me and so here we can see that frank is speaking to someone and <clears throat> and he's saying like i was you you hmm the truth that you give give the truth that you gave me then is still true now and nod my head, don't close my eyes, um, which is a sense of, like, kid. Like a little kid, how they close that. You know, they do certain things, and they're just, like, um, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> um, it's a sense of, like, kids do that. Kids close their eyes when they're intimidated by something and it's like no sometimes it's okay to just stare things in their eyes and to lean in there's also a version of this where people take this to be like a sexual thing I absolutely do not I'm not even going to read that option at all the option is that if you know she was performing uh fellatio on him and he would like nod his head backwards and he would close his eyes but if that's on the table then so it's like dope nodding off and it's not those are not options. We're not going there. We're going, this is an adult at the time or an old, an elder at the time speaking to a kid. Hey, when you're facing things that you may feel are out of your control, if you're facing things that are intimidating to you, it's okay to just nod your head and agree with certain things. It's okay to just be present in that, you know, in that time and not just close your eyes and shake your head all crazy. Like, no, it's okay. 
I'm not listening to y'all. That's weird. Anyway, next line goes, it's the same way you showed me. If you could fly, then you'd feel south, right? Up north, get, up north is getting cold. Okay, he worded this so weird. Okay, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read the word without the conjugation. If you could fly, you'd feel, you would feel south. Up north is getting cold soon. And so he's speaking about birds. So birds have this, I don't want to say it's weird because it's not, they have this primal understanding that if I'm a north bird and I'm thugging it out up north and I start to feel um, it getting a little too cold, then birds primarily fly south in the for the warmer climate during the colder months because obviously the southern climate southern area doesn't get as cold as it does up north and for birds that's a way that they can show control over their situations like we can't change the weather we can't change it from not being cold this month although <laughs> the way global warming going y'all might have to move no, y'all might have to move <laughs> anyway there's even a set of people called snowbirds and these are people who live up north and they have like another home in the southern area and they just fly down like a bird they fly down and they stay out the colder months in the southern area, which is, hey, if you got the finances and you want to do that, do that, girl. Who cares? And so, again, this is the overarching theme of you don't have as much control as you believe you have. You should enjoy what you can while you can. And if you do that, you will live a very fulfilled life. And so then it goes, the way it is, we're on land. So I'm someone to hold true. Keep you cool when it's still alive. Won't let you down when it's all ruined. And so with those four lines, we can really get the understanding of like, this is someone who he's, hmm, whose words carry weight to him and who he's trying to express to him or he, he's learned from this person that it's okay. <clears throat> it's okay to be at your own drum. Like, it's okay to be, I don't know how to explain it without sounding like a cuckoo banana nut person. Hmm. It's okay if things don't go your way. And even though things aren't going your way, you are still a whole person, you know? And in you being whole, you have to understand that that experience for you is gonna be very different because you have this gem of advice, which is sometimes you just have to weather the storms. You just have to, and the better you, the you'll never get perfect at weathering storms. But once you get perfect at understanding that you have to weather the storm, that does change your ability to weather the storm. And there's nothing you can do about the storms. They're going to forever come. You have no control over when they come, how they come, and what they hit. But once you understand and accept that, 
it's a totally different ball game, you know? And I want to relate this to like Christians. There are some Christians who can attest to this, which is being a Christian is one thing. And it's not that I'm saying that one is better than the other before I make this comparison. Being a Christian is one thing, you know, and in the same breath, being someone who accepts Jesus Christ into your life, totally different ball game. Not that one is better than the other, but they're playing on two totally different fields with two totally different rules by a lot of standards. So that's how we're going to finish that verse one. Rolling to the chorus, which is just the same way you showed me, showed me, you showed me love, glory from above, regarded my dear, it's all downhill from here. As in, you set such a tone in my life. You've you've blessed me in such a way. There's no way it can get better. <laughs> and and we see that a lot. You know, you have certain situations where you're like, this is. And and when I think about this, I'm immediately immediately thinking about that story that I told at the beginning of this episode about my basketball career when I left high school. It's like. I immediately knew it wouldn't get better than what I already had. I immediately knew the jokes wouldn't continue to hit how they hit before. I immediately knew the chemistry that I had with those girls that I had built over a decade of playing with them, that wouldn't gonna change. I knew that our love and our passion for the game, I knew that I would never have that ever. I knew it was downhill. I knew, deep down I knew. Um, There's also another story that I would love to share one day. I will not share it today because it deals with my stepdad and his passing. But um, there's just certain instinctual moments that we can look back on our lives and we can see inklings of us knowing that things aren't going to end well. I'll leave it there. So then it goes verse two. In the wake of a hurricane, which is, I don't want to say ironic um, because it's not ironic. In the wake of a hurricane, this is very important because Frank Ocean was born and raised in New Orleans, Louisiana, which was hit, unfortunately, by the massive monster of a hurricane, which is Katrina. Katrina displaced millions of Native people, including Frank Ocean. Um, I want to say he was in college at the time when Katrina hit, and that's how he found his way to L.A. Um, It's horrible what that storm has done for all of those people and continues to do with gentrification now. <laughs> I'm from New Orleans too. But with gentrification now and just all of the aftermath that's still going on today, you know, New Orleans has one of the worst Airbnb markets ever. And that's because of a byproduct of gentrification, which was expedited by Hurricane Katrina. Um, so in the wake of a hurricane, so in the midst of a hurricane, so in the midst of that same storm that we keep talking about, Dark skin of a summer shade. (laughs) Um, This is essentially talking about someone who has warm skin. Brown brown skin. No, I'm joking. This is just him speaking about... um, Him uh, speaking about someone of a a darker complexion, which is beautiful. Because you see how my skin eats the sun up? The sun was made for me. Then he goes, nose dive into flood lines, tall towers of milk crates. Hmm. Hmm. It's the same way you showed me. Cannonball off the porch side, old, older kids trying off the roofs. It's the same way you showed me. So this can be a lot. 
And this verse is him laying two stories at the same time. So he's laying his rapport with this person and the wisdom of this person literally right next to the reality of what Hurricane Katrina did. And so here he's describing how he witnessed these things of this storm happening and how it shook so many people, including him, to their core. Um, so nosedive into flood lines, which is people probably jumping into that water, unfortunately, people swimming in that water, um, people trying their best to, like, make make their way, you know? It's the same way you showed me, showed me cannonball off the porch side, other kids trying off the roof. So this is towards, how do I explain this? This is in the midst of the storm, which makes a lot of sense because he said in the wake of a hurricane. Um, this is what he's seeing other kids do because there's nothing you can do about the storm. The thing about Hurricane Katrina that I don't think many people know, the news undersold the, they, they undersold it. And I understand that you can't really predict how they did not prepare anybody for that storm. Thank God my family got out, but they didn't get out because of the storm. They got out because they came to visit us in Texas for a birthday party. Ironically, for my stepdad's birthday party. huh? And um, in them coming to visit us for his birthday party, they wound up staying with us just like an extra day because the storm was about to hit. And they wound up missing everything. And I remember being at the birthday party. No, I lied. I made that up. They came for the birthday party, and if I'm not mistaken, while they were there for the birthday party, the storm hit. I, I have this weird memory of seeing, like, my aunt and my grandmother either the day of the party or the night, like, the within the 24 hour of the party, of them, like, crying. Yeah. And I want to say that maybe they were trying to leave, like, the next day or something like that. But they couldn't leave because the storm was already like it was our the devastation was just so aggressive and it was so bad there was no way for them to get out of texas to get there like at all at all yeah okay yeah mm, anyway so this um passage could also be him speaking about when he says flood lines nose dive into flood lines, which is a way that you dive into water. That could also be him nose diving into cocaine, you know, a coping mechanism. Nothing wrong with that. Do what you do recreationally. If you find yourself being um, an abuser of substances, please seek help. It is a serious, serious, serious matter. And then he goes, if you could die and come back to life, now we're getting so wet. Now we're getting so wet. If you can die and come back to life, up for air from the swimming pool, you'll kneel down to the dry land, kiss the earth that birthed you, gave you tools just to stay alive and make it out when the sun is ruined. So let's do two lines at a time. He said, if you could die, come back to life up from up for air from the swimming pool. So this is a scenario that he's trying to paint. You know, if you knew what it was like to experience death and then come back to experience life, um, you would have a very different view on life. And and he goes, this need tells you what you would do. You'd kneel down to the dry land, as in you would, if you drowned and then came back to life randomly, 
I don't want to say randomly, if in the scenario it's not random. If you drowned and came back to life, you would exit the water quick. You'd be on the ground. You'd be kissing the land. You'd be trying to figure it out. Like you'd be a lot more grateful for your life if I took it from you and gave it back. You'd kiss the earth that birthed you, you know, because we are land creatures predominantly. Um, we are of the ground. We are, we are of the earth. Gave you tools just to stay alive, make it out. And when the sun is ruined, this can also be an ode to the relationship between a mother and, and their child. You know, when you, I've, oh, I have felt this. When you feel like you're drowning in, in like your life, especially like when you're in your early 20s, um, that weird 22 to like 24, 25 phase of your life where you just feel like everything around you is just crumbling and you're drowning in all of your responsibilities and everybody around you is watching you drown, but no one's out there trying to help you. And you're just overwhelmed constantly with deadlines and trying to meet certain societal standards and trying to make sure that you're, you know, working out, eating healthy, finding the right niggas, enjoying yourself, enjoying your body, getting drunk when you can, turning up over here, not being late for these things. Make sure that you have good coping. Like you're trying to do all of these things and appease all of these different versions of yourself and balance all of these different tools. And it can sound like a lot. It can be a lot. And so... Sometimes parents, specifically mothers, only because they're so nurturing, can literally, like, pull you out the water and let you know, like, you don't have to carry all of this. You don't have to worry about the whole staircase. You just need one step right now. And so I don't think Frank Ocean speaks of his father very often. I don't know the relationship that they have or if his father is still alive. But... I know that him and his mother are very, very close. She's also really gorgeous. It's kind of disgusting how gorgeous she is. She's, like, like sickly disgusting, but whatever. And so you can definitely see him trying to, like, she saved me, you know? She, she, I thought my life was gone. Hold up. Is this another uh, clocking out? No, it's not. <laughs> no, no, I'm not even going down that road. But you can definitely see him trying to pay homage to his mom for being the person who birthed him in a very um, honest and beautiful way, honestly. Honest. So in the outro, we have these beautiful harmonies from him and Beyonce. And he goes, remember life? Remember how it was? Climbing trees, Michael Jackson, all ends here. That is so... Uh, that is so, that's so sad. But this is a very good coming of age song. And while I do believe that this song now is about a lot of death, I think the biggest death of all is his his childish ways. One of my favorite verses of the biblical text is, when I was a child, I felt like a child, I acted like a child, blah, 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 blah. But when I became a man, I put away all my childish things. And I think this is him putting away all of his childish things. And this is him trying to show and express how um, this is what that looks like. It's a big death. It's a grieving process. And I think, now that I think about it, maybe that grieving process 
hits when you're in your early 20s because life hits you at that same time. And so you have to kind of like put your childish things away, especially if you're someone of regular financial means. You know, if you don't have a lot of money to buy you a lot of grace and stuff like that, you got to kind of like figure it out. And while you may have your parents that are like help you out and give you baby steps and stuff like that, for the most part, you have to make the conscious decision to put your childish things to the side and genuinely embrace all that you are and all that you will be as an adult. And I think that's what this song is mostly about. Huh. Climbing trees. Michael Jackson. All ends here. Okay. Say what up to Matthew, to Snoop, to Shub. Say what up to Danny. Say what up to life immortality. Hmm. These are people that he's lost in his life, obviously. And then say what up to life immortality. I think one thing that comes with being a juvenile or being a child is how much, how fearless you become. Like you, well, not become, how fearless, fearless you are. You believe that you have all the days in the world, all the time in the world, I'll get to that tomorrow. I'll try that again next week because as a kid, you do. You know, you don't have any worries or any. Life hasn't hit you. And so there is this sense of like, I'm in more. I am immortal. I can do whatever I want. I'm going to eat Cheetos and not worry about a single pound, you know, but you don't have to. That's the beauty of being a child. That's the grace that comes with being a child. And I think it's so dope how he's saying like say what up to it because it's almost in a sense of like that's also gone too which brings me back to my point that i said before this song is also about the loss or the 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 passing of his childhood and or of his innocence i should say per se bending up my nikes he says running out of the mouth of me nicotine stealing granny cigarettes so he speaks about bending up my nikes Running out of the mouth of me, nicotine, stealing granny cigs. Now, you know what? The mouth of me is a project in New Orleans. Pretty rough. Um, nicotine, which is directly to the next line, which is stealing granny cigs. So he's speaking about, like, just juvenile things that he did. Give me something sweet. Bitch, I might like immortality. Hmm. This is life. Life immortality. And so I think one thing that he kind of does at the end of this song, which is like coming to a complete understanding that as an adult, it's not that you don't have immortality anymore. It's not that you don't have the opportunity to live a very full life. It just looks very differently than it did when you were a child. You know, when you were a child doing foolish things or doing child childlike things made life full. The difference is as an adult, those same things, those exact same things won't make your life full anymore. You have to change up the status quo. There are certain things in life that you cannot change, and there's a lot of things in your life that you cannot change. Free will only exists in your life for you. But there's a lot of things you can change. You know, like being present, enjoying life while you have life, living life while you have life, loving life while you have life, loving on those around you, um, making it a point to make that your presence is always felt and understood. So I want to leave you guys with a performance of this song. It's not a Frank performance, unfortunately, because he doesn't perform this song very often. 
but it is a performance of this song nonetheless, and I want us to all just close our eyes and enjoy this together. As always, I want to encourage you guys to forever stalk me on social media and enjoy life while you can. I don't want to make this outro too long, so peace. <laughs>